Hello, and welcome back to Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro, a podcast all about the Bible, theology, and all things related to the Christian faith. I'm the Ryan half of Ryan and Brian, and this is episode number 66. Today, Brian and I are returning to our series on Ephesians. If you've been following along through our series, you've probably heard Brian mention quite a few times that the second half of chapter three is his favorite part of the whole letter. This week, we are finally diving into this section, which is a prayer Paul gives for the church about who we are and what our calling is. Before we get started, just a quick reminder that you can find us at thebiblebistro.com, on Instagram and Facebook at The Bible Bistro. You can watch us on YouTube as well at Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro. If you are watching us there, don't forget to hit that like and subscribe button. The Bistro is a labor of love for Brian and I, but it does cost money for us to produce. So if you're enjoying the podcast, we have set up a Patreon account, which allows you to contribute financially to the podcast to help with their costs. If you become a monthly contributor, not only will you be helping us continue the podcast, but you can also get yourself some Bible Bistro swag, like a coffee cup or t-shirt. You can find a link to subscribe at the top of our website, thebiblebistro.com, and also in the show notes. We do appreciate your support. If you can't financially support us, you could also support the Bistro by simply sharing the podcast with others. All right. Let's jump right into our conversation, looking at Ephesians 3. Hey, Brian, hey. welcome back to the Bistro. Hey, Brian, how's it going, man? Uh, it's good. It's hot. Yes, super it's hot. You know, I'm here. super excited to be in the, in the Bistro today for two reasons. It's inside. <laughs> it's inside. <laughs> if, <laughs> if, if I were not doing this right now, I would be working outside in the yard. And so... Hmm. It's it's always a good day to be in the bistro. It's especially a good day when it is really hot and the and the humidity makes it into like the the felt temperature is over a hundred. It's, it's not a dry heat like if we were in the American Southwest. <laughs> yes, it is a wet heat, <laughs> a, a fetid heat. Oh, it. <laughs> it's horrible! Like I opened the door to let the dog out, and I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, like, that's I just bad. But it's it always a good day to be in the bistro. What were you saying? It is a good yeah. day. Well, I'm just going to say it is. I'm yeah. excited to be back here. That's the second reason I'm excited because this passage in he in Ephesians is my favorite passage in the entire book of Ephesians, and one of my favorites in the entire New Testament. Just a really fantastic passage. So I'm really excited to share about it today. So that's the other reason. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, air conditioning. Really good passage. <laughs> yes. Well, we're coming to a good passage, and we had a great episode last week with uh, Dr. Trevor Long. Yeah, that was fun. The third on what a fun conversation. Was a fun. Yes. And, and really some good thoughts. Uh, I, I hope that was helpful for people. I thought it was really, really uh, a neat, neat episode. Excellent. Yes. All right. So let's jump into sure. Ephesians 3, because I'll be honest, you've been building this up ever since we started this Ephesians series. Oh, goodness. Like, no, no, I, I can't, can't wait. wait. I can't wait. we got to get there. And now we're here, and so we got to have well, it. Well, it's an interesting section. So how in your – do you have your Bible there in front of you? Is that I right? do. What – how do they – and we've talked about this before. How Well done. How, how you. do you have – like how they have different sections named? And we've talked about mm -hmm. that those are additions. Those are not part of the original text. You know, Paul, when he was writing this letter to the Ephesians, his amanuensis, his secretary, whoever, did not put these these section titles in. But what is your say for a section title here? A prayer for the Ephesians. Okay. Now – 
that's what you're normally going to see. Most of your Bibles will say that. There's a couple that I've seen that haven't. Most of them will say that. And again, remember, this has been added later. That doesn't necessarily, so we have to think through this. Um, you know, I, I have some good friends who are Bible editors and they're fine people, but, but uh, sometimes I think, sometimes they think more through these kind of things than they do at other times. So uh -huh. when I talked about the beginning of the book of Ephesians, I made the point that I don't think this letter is written specifically to the church in Ephesus, that um, the original, or, or well, I should say the original, but earliest text that we have available do not contain the words in, in Ephesus or in, in Ephesus uh, uh, in the, in the uh, first uh, verse there, uh, you know, when he's writing to the church in, in, in Ephesus, mm -hmm. earliest texts don't have that. Secondly, as we mentioned before, Paul, well known to the Ephesian church and spent over two years there, had been and visited a couple of other times after that, and he makes no personal greetings and no personal comments. And so so I think Ephesians, as I've said in that introduction, I guess I go back and listen. I'm not going to re reiterate all those things now, but if we understand that to be um, a circular epistle, then this letter we call to the Ephesians, I see more as to the churches in Asia Minor, uh, Laodicea, Hierapolis, Ephesus, all these different churches. I think Paul's writing a circular epistle because he's sending Tychicus to go and to to um, uh, meet um, with the Philemon. Philemon in the church in Colossae, taking Onesimus with him. That's the real reason, I think, behind all these letters. But Paul's taking this opportunity to write. Uh, and mm -hmm. so, so again, go back and listen to that episode if you if you wonder about so, that. So maybe this shouldn't be called a prayer for well, for Ephesians, but a prayer for the church. For the church, that's what I would call it. And there are some some Bible editions that use that and make that editorial decision where they call this prayer Paul's prayer for the church. Now, what does that change? I think, I think again, instead of just thinking about Paul praying for this one congregation that he is connected to, I think if we think about him offering this prayer more broadly for the church as a whole. In other words, the at least the church in this region, but I, I see him saying, this is kind of the, the, uh, the prayer that I have for what the body of Christ can be. Just like he talked about earlier, and you know, the, the church is, is the body of Christ that uh, we saw in the, la in the last section we did on, on Ephesians, uh, the first part of chapter two, we saw this whole idea that, that God's plan is to work through the church. I'm thinking here about um, uh, particularly in verse 10, his intent, God's intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities. In other words, that was God's plan to reveal himself now through the church, that this becomes the vehicle for the, the gospel. And, and so if Paul's making this prayer, then I think this is one that we take, how it says, we, we always need to uh, do the work of understanding it within its historical and cultural context, but there's a way in which we are connected because we are a part of that same church, that mm -hmm. there's a way in which we are connected more directly to this prayer than as well. And, and I've said this, this is why I find this passage so exciting and now building it up even more. So I don't, I don't think he's hyping, he's hyping everybody. <laughs> there's no way I'm ever going to be, be able to, to make it worth it. But, but here's the thing, it, you know, I'm not going to be able to express it, I think, but I think if we could grasp 
I think if we get we could get a hold of what Paul is saying here, I, I've always said if we could put this into practice, then I think it would change our congregations and and then in turn it would help us be more as a church the church as a whole. I'm talking about the worldwide church. It would help us fulfill more the the purpose for which God has placed us here. I, this passage for me is one that is exciting. I think it it is one um we can see the potential in it. And again, if we can grasp, hold, lay hold of this to a certain extent, then I think it will it, it will be a, a, a powerful thing for us, I suppose, to use a word we're going to talk about quite a bit. So, Okay, very cool. So look at verse 14. Let's just start with that one verse then, I think, first of all. Um, okay. So he says, for this reason. So, you know, if you think about for, for what reason? Well, he's talking about everything that came before. Uh, mm-hmm. Remind you, when we talked about this before, the reconciliation of both Jews and Gentiles, this idea mm-hmm. that, as I just read to you in verse 10, that his intent was through the church, that God's wisdom would be made known to the powers and authorities, and then his his God's purpose would come to fruition through Jesus Christ. Uh, And so for all of this, because of all of this, that this was God's plan, then he says, I kneel before the Father. So kneeling is a posture of prayer. And I'll say that for this reason. In the next verse, I'm reading from the NIV right now. Is that what you have today? Is that? It is. um, And and other versions do the same thing. You're going to see the verb pray here. Uh, Therefore, I pray, something to that effect. And you're going to see it repeated a couple of times. That verb does not occur in the Greek uh, in this passage. Um, That verb then by by translators, I think it's correct. But all I want you to understand is it is implied because Paul assumes a posture of prayer. He's kneeling before the Father. And the idea kind of is, you know, the same way that you would kneel before a ruler and make a request to them. Like if you're going to present yourself to the king, you're going to be on your knees, probably with your, your hands outstretched asking for the things that you need. And so Paul puts himself in that posture of prayer. Uh, he says, I kneel before the Father, and, and then most of your modern translations are going to have a footnote here, from whom every family uh, in heaven and on earth derives its name. The word for family here isn't the one that's always used in Greek. Um, and there's a play on words that Paul is doing. Does yours have a footnote there? Does your Bible have yeah, a footnote? Yeah, it says the Greek for family, patria, mm-hmm. is derived from the Greek for father, pa- pater. Yeah, pater. pater. So, pater. Yeah, so pater. so so the it's got a line over the E there, so that makes it an eta, so pater. But, okay. but uh, pater, yeah, it's hard to say. But anyway, the, the word for father here in Greek is then related to this word that he uses for family, patria. So, Pater, patria, and and so you get this idea that that every family, every patria, gets its name from the pater, right? You so you see that. Mm-hmm. It's, in other words, oh, okay. yeah, we yeah. share in this name together. I think it has to do in a similar way to what we've just talked about that that it was it pleased God to make the two uh, into one man, and so in that one man to reconcile them to Christ. Again, referring back to that previous episode we had, that that both Jew and Gentile have been brought together. The dividing wall of hostility has been broken down. And so here's this idea that Paul is saying that we all have this in common, that we have the name of the Father. We share the name of the Father. And in fact, he goes on and says, every family in heaven and on earth. Um, we've seen already that 
that Paul has talked about this idea of heavenlies, right? And so mm-hmm. uh, he's talked about these heavenly powers and, and, and all those kind of things. And so these spiritual powers we've talked about, every family in heaven on earth derives its name from from the Father. Now, derives its name is, I don't think Paul's just saying that, that this is, uh, that it, we're named for the Father, we, we share his name. But in the ancient world, to a certain extent, to, to to be the one who named something gave gave you a certain power over it or it showed showed your authority uh, mm-hmm. over it uh, so to speak if you if you name something uh, you see this in the book of revelation for example uh, do you remember uh, the passage I'm talking about there where it's uh, chapter two I think where it says that um, that, that he was given a new they were given a new name right that was known yes. only to him. And and uh, that's in in chapter two. I think it's to the church in uh, in Pergamum, uh, and so there's a white stone with a new name written on it, which yes. is known only to him. Something like that. And so so that idea of of authority or power. He's he's the one who's the father is the one th- from from whom every family derives its name, and therefore he is the one who has authority over it. In, in a way, we could talk about this. The father is the source. Uh, of all of us. He is the one from whom we all have, have come, and therefore he has authority over us in, in this sense. Does that make, does that make sense? Any, yeah. Any I mean, it's like naming a stadium yeah. around here. <laughs> We've got the Lucas Oil Stadium here in Indianapolis, so Lucas Oil. I was just having a conversation about one of the, since you're talking about Indianapolis, one of the uh, music venues there, and I was trying to come up with the name, the Ruoff, oh, right? The Ruoff has been... I, it's been several. Right. Wait, wait, wait. Klipsch, it was the Klipsch Center. It, it was a speaker, yeah, Klipsch, and it's been right. And and so now, now though, it uh, you know the the comment that that this person made back to me as well, it's still Deer Deer Creek to me, right? Or is that Deer Creek yes. is what it originally was? So anyway, yeah. yeah, names are funny things. So you're saying that that God paid the a- advertising or the naming <laughs> rights for this? I, that's not and then, exactly. And then we get taxed for it. <laughs> that's not to ex- pay for. That's not exactly what I had in mind, but it, it, it's a similar yeah, kind it of idea. Down. The metaphor breaks down. Okay, I get similar it. Similar kind it. of idea. This idea of naming and, and therefore having authority, I think, is is kind of the idea. But anyway, it also is that we are connected in the Father. That that we all share this common name. We all share the name of the Father. Mm-hmm. So then, verse sixteen. I already mentioned this. That the the pray is not. There's no verb there, but. What he does, he begins with, it's kind of a really interesting construction in Greek, but the word that is the first one that appears in, in Greek, and it's it's the word henna, which shows it's kind of a, a conditional clause, we would say, or or a you know, clause that shows its connection to what has come before. So he's kneeling uh, so that, you know, here's the prayer, so that, and there's, there's two other times that that word a- appears. So... So he basically says, you know, I'm I'm praying again. The verb doesn't occur there. So I'm praying that you may be strengthened with power is the first thing. And, and then if you look down in um, uh, verse uh, middle of verse 17, that you being rooted and established in love. And then the final one is down uh, about um, halfway through verse 19 that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God so that that's the three kind of those are the three kind of things that come out of this if you will that he's praying for yeah. these three things 
Yeah, and again, the word pray is mm-hmm. kind of it's a, it's an implied, it's implied thing that translators have put on this put, because of the position of kneeling in all three places. He, okay. he he puts himself in the position of prayer, and then he utters these words. And so, yeah, the the in, in translator, and this is an example here mm-hmm. of, of this translation. In fact, I didn't plan to do so, this. So, what would mm-hmm. it? So, if it doesn't say pray, like what's what's the Greek? What's happening back there? So we sure. have this idea of what what the sentence structure it's because, is. Oh, the sentence structure is because of that that word henna that I I said to you. Yeah. So, okay. but but. Let me. This is actually from the New American Standard version. Let me read just this first part of it for you, because they they did not include New American Standard tries to stay uh, closer to the literal. To the, well, that's the that's yeah, the wrong yeah, yeah, word, yeah. but it's that. a more yeah. it's a more verbal equivalent. Uh, but what it says is these. Uh, uh, it says um, for this reason I, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name, that He would grant you. You see what I'm saying? But yes. that makes that's kind of awkward in English, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I kneel before the Father that he would grant you. And so all the translators are trying to do there is to show that this is the prayer that Paul is uttering on behalf of the church here. Gotcha. So that's why that's inserted. Uh, and, and again, it's not necessarily important, although I try to make try to make that clear. So when you get different translations, somebody's like, well, the word pray doesn't even appear here, you know, whatever. Um, but but it's it's, I think, implied because... He takes a position of prayer, and then he makes this request, right? Right. And, and again, it's it's awkward in English. That's why. And again, in a, in a in a a translation that is trying to get more, we sometimes will say idea for idea. They're going to make a smoother English sentence that is that is therefore easier to understand. Right. If it, even if it's more verbal, and we don't understand it, 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 it <laughs> well, doesn't doesn't work, right? Um, I think I've used this story before, but I had a professor that preferred the American, the old 1901 American Standard Version, and it's a very literal. I mean, you talk about a word-for-word translation. Mm-hmm. It's such. It's so. I mean, the negative word would be slavishly connected to the Greek that it almost becomes, uh, you know, unreadable in English. So. Well, I, I got it. So I don't, there was a uh, there was a a fundraiser for someone who had done this called Bibliotheca, and it was like this reader Bible, sure. and it was like beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I should have done more investigation. It was like <laughs> ASV, and then I got it, and I was just like, yeah. uh, yeah. Facebook Marketplace, who wants to buy this? ASV is very difficult to read. And again, I had I had a professor that that's, that's what we would use in class. And the advantage to him is this. He, he was very much, uh, he was a good, a good Greek student and a, and a professor of Greek as well, and it allowed him to make some of the points that he would have made in Greek. Otherwise, especially for students who who didn't have Greek, so again, right. it was it was that close that he could he could kind of do that. That's why he preferred to use that version, and that's why some people prefer the New American Standard. Like I like I said before in our in our past in our. In our uh, 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 episode hello hi my name's earth have we met <laughs> episode that we did on bible translations i talked about you know i i, I want to make sure i'm aware of those places where we have to be careful and, and that's why again i mentioned it, and then we I talked about reading here. different versions yeah. so you can kind of see what you can see the differences going on in the yeah background. when you see that difference like oh something's going on i'm not sure exactly okay what it so is. we have paul saying i pray that out of this okay and we have these three things so then, that are coming out exactly of this. first one is this he says out of out of the his glorious um riches or the riches of his glory it could be read in that way as well we've talked before one of the themes in ephesians is this kind of language of extravagance or abundance that i keep talking about and here's Mm -hmm. another example out of these glorious riches or the riches of his glory 
my prayer, Paul says, is that he will strengthen you with power. And this is one of those repeated words we're going to see. We actually see Paul using two different words for the English word. Well, I'll put it this way. The English word uh, power is used to translate two different words that Paul uses in this passage. But but that he may strengthen you with power. And and so here's the thing is this 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 prayer is all about the church being empowered by God. Uh, we'll say a little bit more about that in, in, in just the, probably the next paragraph, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> that, that we're strengthened with power uh, in order to accomplish these things. So this is not something we have to do on our own. It is the power of God at work within us. And that's, that's exactly what he says in chapter, in verse 20 and 21 to conclude this prayer, um, that, that it's his power at work within us is what does this. And that's what is exciting for me about this. Um, we rely upon the power of God. Let me read the rest of this. The, the power through his spirit. So the means by which this power comes, I would say, is the spirit of God in your inner being. And Paul elsewhere, Romans, for example, and other places, will talk about this idea of the indwelling of the spirit. The spirit of God lives within us. And and there's lots of things that I think that that brings. Uh, but what he's talking about here specifically is that it is the spirit of God living within us that empowers us in order to do the things that God has called us to do. Uh, we had a whole whole um, episode. I keep, I keep wanting to call them sessions for some reason today. <laughs> yeah. Yep, with those great sessions. We got a new session coming out Tuesday. <laughs> anyway, the episode, it's a, it's, it's a horrible thing to get. Episode, it's, episode. It's a horrible thing to get Podcast. old. Yeah. Episode. Um, so we had an episode on the on the spirit, and the idea here is that the spirit empowers us. Uh, we saw earlier this idea of unity, but also the the spirit of God, and we talked about the spirit of God is involved in unity uh, of all believers. The spirit of God also empowers us individually uh, and as collectively as a church in order to accomplish the things that he he, he calls for us to do. Mm-hmm. So. Here's the thing, I, you know, I try, I, I always try to, and we, as a, as a podcast, we try to stay very positive. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I try to focus on that helps me stay optimistic is, is I, I mean, let's be honest, doesn't it sometimes, uh, the task of the church, I'll put it that way, the task that, that we are participating in with God as, as the church seems overwhelming sometimes, right? And it can become discouraging. Uh, we've, t- mm-hmm. we've, we've shared sometimes that you've kind of become discouraged because of things that are going on, a particular uh, part of the of the kingdom of God that you are a part of or impacted right. by. And it can become discouraging. Uh, when we watch the news sometimes or we see uh, the way sometimes Christians are portrayed or we see the way um, sometimes uh, Christians may may portray themselves in ways that are other than what we would consider true to the gospel or, or true to the kingdom, it can it can become discouraging. Um, what this reminds me of is even though it might seem overwhelming what God has called us to do as his people, that he has promised us that he is the one who will empower us. And so what Paul is praying here is that the strength is going to come from God. It's not it's not from ourselves, but it is from God. He strengthens us with power in our inner being by means of his spirit is the way that I would understand this passage. And therefore, because of God's, of course, God is all powerful, right? right. Because of this, we are going to have 
sufficient strength in order to accomplish the things that God has has before us. Okay. Yeah, so it's it's this encouragement that, you know, and in this church, whatever it may be, any church, no matter what it may be experiencing, that God will fill you to accomplish the task that he's set I, before I, you. I think so, yeah. He will give us the things that are necessary. Again, if we rely upon him, and we're going to talk about that again in the next paragraph, um, mm-hmm. That that if we rely upon him now, here's the here's the downside of this. And, I, and I'm going to say, even as a church leader, I have failed in this. And uh, it's a constant temptation for us to trust in our own strength. Mm. And sometimes it's in those areas, I think, <laughs> where we're best. <laughs> right. The things that come most. And again, I don't think it's naturally because I believe it's the gift of the spirit. So call it supernatural or whatever you want to call it. But those things that we are particularly gifted in are the areas that we tend to rely upon our own strength rather than remembering we are constantly needing to be trusting in God in the midst of it. So if we're good at speaking or we're good at, you know, relationships with people or whatever, uh, if we rely upon our own strength, we become tired and weak, um, uh, frustrated sometimes. But it is when we are able to trust in his power and allow this power of the spirit to work within us, I think that we feel refreshed and renewed. It's it's kind of like the old adage, like your greatest strength is also your greatest yeah, weakness. It can be, I think, you know, because we think, well, I can do this, you know, I, I can I can get this. And it's just like Philippians, I can do all things through Christ. <laughs> I can lift any weight. I'm just kidding. Okay. Joe. Sorry, I'm just bringing some levity. Yeah. You were getting. Well, we yeah, should, do, no, we should think... do a podcast on the or an episode on the a session on the uh, the uh, top top <laughs> ten most misquoted scriptures, and that would be right up there at the top. I think. So. Well, yeah, we can get some shots of us like trying to lift incredibly heavy things. Um, yeah, so we get this idea that you know, so God's giving us the strength to accomplish yeah. through His Spirit. Yes, His Spirit is coming and dwelling within us, and this is what Paul's prayer is that His that we would sense the, yes. the Spirit in us that is empowering us to accomplish what God has set out for us. Yeah, and that and that that mission is what Paul has talked about before. Yes. It's like this mystery that's been revealed for this to reason. go out to yeah. to go out into the world to all people. Yes, and to declare the work. That's of exactly it. You've summarized it incredibly well. Um, and and I, it, it's it's worth noting. Thank you. It's it, kind of an offhanded. Well, moment. it's worth noting that it is a matter of prayer, right? Uh, and, and we're going to see this later on in in a really remarkable way. But but Paul is saying, "I'm praying that you'll be strengthened," and, and I think it's the same with with our prayers. Uh, at the, I'm going to go ahead and give you this warning, Ryan. At the end of this, I thought I would ask you to talk about the way that we pray today, whether it's in corporate or, or personally, and, and compare it to kind of the way that Paul prays here, and what what are some things we might learn about prayer, even prayer here from the mm-hmm. Apostle Paul. But I'll give you that warning so you can kind of be thinking about that. Uh, yes. I know it's far be it for me to give you some warning ahead of time. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, we only had like 15 minutes of conversation before we started this session that you failed to mention that. But now, you know, now that I'm on, it was now that I'm on camera. It was in the notes, and, so. Um, so, <laughs> so he, All right, this on. next phrase, I think, is a parallel to what, what we just saw. So remind you again, we've been bantering here, so uh, that, that you'll be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So that idea of Christ dwelling in our hearts through faith, I think, is a similar kind of idea to the spirit 
um, in our innermost being strengthening us, right? Not only Christ and the Spirit are are the same person, but they are. Um, what what would be the word I would I would use here? They are they are um, both uh, a part of of the Trinity, right? And mm-hmm. and and together they are working together within us in order to to accomplish these things. Um, the indwelling of spirit. I meant to say this earlier, and I might as well talk about when I'm talking about Christ in our in our hearts uh, here in, in, through faith. Dwelling uh, dwelling, by the way, is 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 an idea of, as you probably have heard preachers say before, is the idea of um, living long term, right? This isn't just a quick visit. This is this is the idea right. of, of dwelling, of, of abiding, uh, is is the idea of the word that, that's at work here. Um, but but then, um, so what I was going to say is that the indwelling of the Spirit talks about it. It, it is the it is the at least a part of the fulfillment of the promise that God has given us from the beginning of being with us, right? Um, the the separation that we've experienced because of our sin, because of the sin of Adam, but also because of our own sin, the, the separation from God that we've experienced and the promise that he's made from the beginning that that he was coming to live with us or to live among us and, and he would be our God, uh, and we would be his people, uh, is it, one of the expressions of fulfillment of this is that the Spirit of God now lives within us. And, and I mm-hmm. often will say there's no more intimate, um, there's, there's no, no greater degree of intimacy than, than Christ in our hearts, we could say, or the Spirit in our inmost being. And I think that's why he uses this phrase, this idea of inner being, is that, that this is the very inmost part of us. Right. Yeah. So do you do you see? Uh, so are you? Is is Paul saying the Holy Spirit comes in you, enables you in this, and then it's kind of it, we say like the Spirit is doing a little housekeeping to make a place for Christ to reside. <laughs> well, or is it like as the Spirit resides, that is Christ in it? You know what I mean? Like are these? Is, sure. I don't want to say they're synonymous because they're not. Well, synonymous, they're not. But, but Paul does use this phrase, Spirit of Christ, and you know, it. It. it I, I think it's one of those things when we talk about when we talk when we've talked about the Trinity before. There are distinct roles that the persons within the Trinity have, but there's mm-hmm. also a common purpose, and there's also a common, um, how would I say it, a, a common goal, if you will, in this. So I, I don't, want, I don't know that we need to parse too too much. I, I like the image of what you're saying. The Spirit comes and kind of well, clean, just, cleans it, the place. It just up. says like, so that Christ. Right. You know, what I mean, it's like right. the Holy Spirit has to do this so this that work. Christ. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. So I was just wondering if I, how you is there a distinction or is there not there? I, I don't mind that. I and again, I think there there. I don't know. Uh, I'm trying to think. I say there is there's some helpful things I think that you could draw from that. I wouldn't want to draw. I wouldn't want to go too far down that path. Again, as we've talked about with metaphor, but mm-hmm. but um, we, I, I see these more almost as parallel. Um, you know, these are similar kinds of things that are happening here with with his spirit. I do want to say through faith, though, as well, because so then then again, there's that trust, right? That mm-hmm. that idea. This is this is happening because we're not trusting in ourselves. We're trusting in Him. We're placing our trust in Him in order to accomplish these things, not not in ourselves. Okay. Uh, but there's an intimacy here. There's a connectedness, uh, and then you know, as I mentioned, there's this there's this empowering um, that takes place. So, okay. And so then we go into eighteen, and it's what is this? The word henna again? Like, and I pray that in uh, in seventeen, middle of seventeen. Oh yeah, in the middle of seventeen. Yeah, yeah. And and so here's the prayer that you will be rooted. 
and so what's that metaphor? What's the idea of a, of, a, of something being rooted, would you say? The, the, I would say that has to do with a tree. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like Psalm 1. Yes, Where it's like, absolutely. you know, be a true, you know, a tree firmly rooted, planted, not blown planted over. Planted by streams of waters, right. Yeah. And, and so so here's this idea, yeah, of, of being rooted. It, it's, it's that, you know, these are, the, you know, rooted and established. Rooted is that this is what you are. Uh, you know, this is the soil you grow in. Again, you, to use that metaphor, this is where you derive your strength and your your nourishment, and that is the idea of love, and established in love. In what way? Let me ask you: In what way do you think we are rooted and established in love? Then, what? How would you understand that? Like th- that's through the work of uh, being rooted and established in love. Is is through the work of Christ and then okay. us having faith and placing our trust and okay. hope in him and knowing him more. So the work of Christ. So what does it have to do with love? You're saying that, that, that God's demonstration, God's ultimate act of love and sure. revelation of his love is through the death and resurrection okay. of Christ. through Christ. Yeah. Through, through Christ. Yeah. Christ, yeah. the actions. And so, so, you know, this is what is the beginning of us. And I think that's probably that's probably what Paul has in mind. It's interesting, though. Here's the other part of it. I, I wonder about is is I have this notion, and and again, it's nothing more than a notion. Although, you know, I'm a John guy. John 17, Jesus may give us just a hint of it. As I've said to you before, there's only a few few blessed, precious places we see in Scripture that talk about the relationship within the trinity before the creation you know in other words before yeah. before us there mm-hmm. there's only these few glimpses we get uh and, and there's there's this glimpse in 17 of the glory that you gave me before the the creation of the world and this idea of the love that god has for jesus uh, from before the creation of the world. So this idea, and I've talked before about, to me, this is why there, it necessarily is, the Trinity is a necessary understanding of the nature of God, because um, for for us to say that God is love in his very character and nature, there has to be an object of love even before creation. And so the persons of the Trinity, we've talked about this before, and and uh, that the, the persons of the Trinity had this love for each other. And I believe that the creation is a result of the overflow of that love of the persons of the Trinity for one another. And so, again, when you're thinking about the Spirit and Jesus being within us, in our hearts, in our inmost being, and it makes me think about this idea of us being rooted and established in love, there's a, there's a, I think, you know, whether or not this is exactly what Paul had in mind, again, I think you're probably uh, closer to what Paul is, is saying here, but there's a way in which the very foundations and origins of creation itself are founded on love and that sounds like a really hokey Beatles song until <laughs> until I mean but until you you begin to think think through the 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 uh, I don't know if you'd call it philosophical or theological however you want to say it till you begin to think through that and and it you know makes me wonder if there's a way in which that's that's our very you know our origins come come from that that creative act an act of love mm-hmm. that that God has on be on our behalf even our even our our origins if you will uh, okay so so that's the other other part of it. but again I think I think the primary thing is what you've said is God's love. <laughs> 
Oh, I went on a tangent, but I think you're right. God's love as a st- well, it's one of those things I think about. But yeah. God's love that is that is expressed in in, in Jesus. So I pray okay. that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power. Now, this is a different word than the last one we used for power. The word for power before was dunamis. Uh, this one has to do with power in the sense of the ability to do something. So. Uh, to have the the uh, ability to accomplish something, let's say the others kind of sheer power, like you might talk about uh, the force of nature, or you know, like the the power of mm-hmm. a of a waterfall, something along those lines. This is power in the sense that I have the power to, if 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 that makes sense to you. So so that okay. you know, slightly different thing. I mean, it's not not a huge huge gap there, but. So Paul is saying, I pray that you have power together with all of the Lord's, and we've talked about this earlier, saints, literally here, hagioi, the, the, the holy ones, mm-hmm. to grasp. So, so uh, this, this construction gets pretty, pretty detailed, so I want to make sure we get this. Paul is praying that we have the ability, together with the saints, but we have the ability to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. So in short, again, this is a matter of prayer. As I said earlier, what Paul is saying is, is I am praying to God that you have the ability to understand exactly how great God's love is for you or Christ, Christ's love in this case, the love of Christ, uh, to know its measure, so to speak, to know its, um, size isn't really the right word, even though he uses these, you know, how long and wide and high and deep. So, so we're talking about how all-encompassing might be a way to say it is Christ's love, um, that he He wants us to know that in, in uh, uh, I'm going to say in a super supernatural way, we have the power to know that. And again, it's a matter of prayer. It's not something we're just going to know on our own, I think Paul is saying. But it is something that I'm praying that God will reveal to you or that that you can experience probably this this love. It's not just something that's a head knowledge, but something that we need to to experience and feel. Now, again, let me go back uh, and let me say that I, I love this passage because I think if we could really lay hold of this and we could put it into practice, I think it would empower us to do <laughs> to do much more than 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 we think we are capable of. Um, and one of these things is is the idea of knowing how great Christ's love is. So, I, I guess here's my question, and this one is not on the notes. This one's I'm just I'm just You're springing this on you. But in, in what are some of the, like everything? <laughs> what are some of the ways in which you think? Um, and I have a few suspicions on this, so I'll share that in a minute. In what ways do you think knowing, um, both intellectually and, and experientially knowing the love of Christ, what difference do you think that would make within us individually, collectively, uh, as a yeah, church? I as mean, a whole? I, yeah, I think it, once we understand the perspective you know, like once we kind of wrap our minds around that, sure. I think it gives us a new perspective on the life that we live here and now. Okay. I mean, I think it makes us not situationally when we might think things are, I think it helps us look at our neighbors differently. Exactly. You know, I think it, exactly. I think it helps us. Don't lose that. We'll come back to that. But I think yeah, I think exactly it helps right. us not use our keeping only our perspective, but God's perspective of all of humanity and all of right. creation. Right. So I think that's, I think once we, grasp 
that and who who we were and what's been done for us, then we can look at our neighbor differently yeah. and we can see our mission I think that's differently. Right. right. Yeah, we see people as as those whom whom God has loved with this incredible love in Christ and and how can we therefore it's the same as as first John, you know, how can you say you love God and then you know, say you hate your neighbor, you know, how, how do you hate mm-hmm. your neighbor whom you have seen, uh, love God whom, whom you have not seen. So, so I think that's part of it. I think that is, I think even, you know, there's another, and I'm going to say it before that, but, but when you think about the brokenness of the world and I, and I think about the brokenness of the world a lot, which, which says something about my, my framework. Well, we talk about it. We, do. Yes. we talk about it. And I think it's important for us, as I've said, you know, as the church, we sometimes don't understand the complexity of the issue, right? We, we focus upon our relationship with God, which is super important. And as I mm-hmm. always say is the starting place and the foundation for the rest of the healing of creation. But I also, as I said, um, either in our in the last time we talked about Ephesians at the time before that, I can't remember um, that that we have this phrase of the the time the 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 time he will remain in heaven until the time comes for him to restore everything. Right? Mm-hmm. That this act of restoration and salvation is huge. It's it's a big thing. And, and one of the things we talk about when we talk about brokenness. Is I remind you, we say that the, the, in the fall, there was a relationship broken between us and God. And there's also a ro- brokenness within ourselves. And I don't want to get, you know, I'm not talking psychologically here necessarily, although I think it does impact us to a certain extent. But I think, again, in understanding Christ's love for us um, gives us a healthy um, way of viewing ourselves, not... It, it doesn't. It shouldn't make us into kind of narcissists, a spiritual narcissists right. of some sort, but to understand that we are loved by Christ, and this get, this gives us an inherent purpose and inherent value. I think is is something. I'm not trying to make it into you know kind of a. I don't know, whatever you want to call it, woohoo kind of thing or whatever, but... Uh, <laughs> That's what you called it last time, a woohoo kind of thing. Very descriptive. I don't, I don't know exactly what that means, but, but uh, you know, I'm not trying to say, oh, you know, love yourself kind of thing, but but it, it it's not that. It's that Christ loves me, you know, and that that is a, there's a healing that can take place within us, I think, when we have a, um, an understanding of that. And, and it may, here's the, maybe the woohoo part of it, but it, it may make us then capable of loving others like you said, neighbors, but also family, and, and and it may make us the intimacy that God we experience with God and the love that we experience with Him may make it possible for us to express that love and that intimacy to others as well. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and and I think you know you kind of talk about that. You don't want to psychologize it or whatever, but it's it's kind of it's the it's the identity <laughs> yes. that we like. Yes. It's, once we uh, that we are loved, like and making that the primary yeah. identity is like children of God loved by God. Yeah. And like, what, what does that mean for how I live and, and what I live? And it's not creating my own not, identity, right. but it is recognizing the identity I have in mm-hmm. Christ, the, recognizing my true, you know, if you want an authentic, authentic experience, uh, an authentic self is to recognize who I am in creation, that, that this is what it means to, to truly be, the person that I was intended to be, I think. So, right. right. And there's so many things as we kind of talk culture and so yeah. forth that, that want us to help try to find an identity in something else. Yeah. Or create our own identity. Great. Yeah. Right. And, mm-hmm. and validate our yes. own creation yes. of identity. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You're getting, so. you're getting, you're picking up what I'm laying down. So, <laughs> um, yes. 
to use a colloquialism from, I don't know, 20 you years know ago. You talk about getting old, and then you just say a sentence like that. Everybody knows now. Say you're old without saying yeah, you're old. Yeah, there you go. So verse 18, um, so I, I pray that you being reestablished in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp a wide, long, and high, and deepest love of Christ, and to know this love. I should have gone on to this. And here's the interesting thing, to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Uh, this is one of those great Pauline phrases where he he makes a contradiction. It, it's a it's an intentionally contradictory thing, I think, to make us, um, you know. Uh, it, there are times he talks about uh, being able to see see that see the 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 let me see the the uh, uh, so that the the qualities of the invisible God can be clearly seen, <laughs> right? So, mm-hmm. It's like how do you see an invisible God, right? And and, and so it's this same kind of um, uh, intentionally, it, it's almost like a um, riddle, right? Uh, to know the unknowable, you know. Th- in other words, the love of Christ is so great that we're never going to be able to comprehend it. But Paul prays that you will be strengthened with power in order to know this love. And uh, and as you said, I do think it's important for us when we think about the way that God loves other people as well so yeah do you see there's a difference between here like to grasp and then like and to know this love is this like like for me i'm thinking is this like a head knowledge heart knowledge like i can i know the love but like sure or i I can strategize like i can think about it but it's not like changed my heart i I don't know just i just see that and this kind of goes back to what we talked about before like so that and so when i see and to know, right? Do you see this as like building on top of each other, or I do you see, see them as like saying the same thing? I see this twice parallel, so but but um, okay. the, the interesting thing about the word grasp, we see it a couple of times in scripture. I, I I think this is the same word. I I don't have the Greek here in front of me. I wish I did now for this question. I think this is the same word that's used in. Uh, now he uses it ambiguously in John chapter one, where he says, um, "And the darkness did not." grasp the light um, and and the word grasp is used metaphorically there mm-hmm. he's using it ambiguously that, that it was not overpowered by and nor was it understood by okay. the interesting thing in greek is the word grasp can be used metaphorically in the same way we use the word grasp uh, we can use the word grasp metaphorically for saying that we have um, comprehended it right to say okay. grasp that right that, that's a metaphor mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and the interesting thing is, it's not always the case, but sometimes it's the case that Greek and English have the same metaphors. And here, I think that's just the case that um, that this is literally the idea of grasping. It's the it's the if I if I think if it's the verb that I believe that it is, it it's literally means to to grab hold of, but it's used metaphorically to mean to to be able to comprehend a concept. Okay. Uh, so I I think it's parallel, but uh, okay. I, you know it, I, I it's, worth just, it's worth yeah, thinking I'm about. It's worth thinking about. I'm just thinking about because it seems to me to recognize that it's parallel and it's not building on top of something. Right. Because I think if you think it's building, like you have to think like this is a sequential. Right. Like this is sequence inside of like Paul saying almost the same thing twice. Right. Anyway, I'm just riffing. That's fine. Now he's, he used this idea of measuring here, and we're going to say more about this in just a minute, but you may be filled uh, to the measure of all the fullness of God is the other thing that he's talked about. And he talked, we've talked about this idea of the fullness of God before at the end of chapter one of Ephesians, I believe. But his prayer is that you may be filled to the measure 
uh, to the top is the kind of idea to the you know the very brim of all the fullness of God. So that that's his prayer is that we can experience uh, the fullness of God again. Something that is beyond, you know, when we cannot encapsulate that. But at the same time, it is truth. You want you want something to blow your mind a little bit. This is like a M.C. Escher painting, I guess. It is we're talking about Christ, and as I said before, when we talked about the Holy Spirit, that episode on the Holy Spirit. I'll mention that again. That the, that it is not a part of the Spirit that indwells us. It is the Spirit of God, and it mm-hmm. is Christ in you know, Spirit of God in our inner being and Christ within us. Right. So so. Imagine it's not a part of Christ. It's, it, it's not it part is, of the Spirit. It, it is it, Christ and the Spirit. And so here's the M.C. Escher part of it is, remember the whole thing in chapter one about us being in Christ. So Christ in us, as Paul says in Colossians, the hope of glory, but Christ in us and then us in Christ, right? So it, 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 I think I think it's a way of speaking in in real terms about that intimacy that, that I'm saying, this idea that, that we are permeated by, uh, we are... Uh, filled with is another one of these um, terms that I've said in Ephesians that Paul loves these. Um, oh, what's the word I keep using? Extravagant. You know, these terms of extravagance that you can be filled with all the fullness of God. This is his hope for us. This is his prayer for us uh, as the church, I think, is, is what he's saying. Now, let's talk about measure a little bit more because I love this part. Now, to him who is able... So this is talking about God's ability. As I said, when I focus upon my own ability, it's a little bit small. But when I focus upon God's ability, if I have an adequate view of of God, then what is he capable of? <laughs> right? He, he's all powerful, by which we usually say that he can do anything that is consistent with his nature and purpose. Right? So, mm-hmm. so especially let's focus on the purpose part of that. Whatever God wants to be able to accomplish, he has the ability to make, to make uh, accomplish. Right? Mm-hmm. And so to him who is able to do immeasurably more. And and that idea of immeasurably more goes back to that idea to, to the measure of the fullness of God. Immeasurably more. I've used this in sermons before just to kind of give you a way to think about that. So so <laughs> how much is immeasurably, right? <laughs> right. That which cannot be measured. Right. And so so I always say, you know, it's kind of like a you know, I always imagine someone baking a pie. And, and they have this measuring cup and they have this flour, right? They're pouring the flour in the measuring cup and maybe the measuring cup's, what, four cups, something like that. But mm-hmm. they pour it in and it overflows the cup and it fills the counter and it goes onto the floor. You know, it's mm-hmm. it is so much that it can't even be measured. So so let me go on to the rest of the sentence. But that that get get that idea of the of the extravagant language that Paul's using here. Okay, get that idea in your mind to do immeasurably more. And then he says this to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we ask or imagine. Okay, when I start thinking about that, this is the part of this that, well, the whole thing blows my mind a little bit that this is Paul's prayer that that so so. Whatever you can imagine, and again, we're thinking in the context because because we, you know, he's saying we're we're holy people now, right? We are kingdom people. Let's use that phrase, even though Paul, it's not really a Pauline phrase, but we are we are people who are followers of Jesus, who 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 the Spirit is empowered, who have been called in the same way that we saw Paul at the beginning of this chapter was called to this very special and specific purpose. We have all now also received this calling. We are part of the church that had this task of making known even to the powers and authorities 
right? The good news about what God has done and what he is doing in the world. So, so that's who we are, right? So as much as we can ask for, for in that context, as much as we can ask for God to do. So here's the, here's the reason I kind of jump up and down on that a little bit is we get all these passages about whatever you ask in my name and all those kind of things. And, you know, people are imagining Lamborghinis and, you know, Mercedes Benz and whatever. And, and that's really not the context. The context is within this, the mission of the church. Mission of the church. And, yeah. and so he says, he says, whatever we ask, okay, so if we're thinking about what, what do we need in order to accomplish the purpose that God has given to us, Paul says, whatever you ask, God is able to do that and Plus. more, and, and not only more, but immeasurably more, right? Mm-hmm. Now, that blows my mind a little bit. If, if Paul would have stopped there, that would have blown my mind a little bit, but he didn't <laughs> because he said, all that you ask or imagine. And, and, and I think, and let me go ahead and say this. I think one of the things that we need to do uh, especially as, well, uh, let's say Christians in general, but especially if we have a role where we are leading people within the church, where we are serving people within the church, uh, where we are, are trying to encourage, you know, whatever, whatever task God has called us to, if we've been called to a special purpose within the community of God's people, one of the things I think we have got to do is we have to cultivate an ability to imagine. Okay. Hmm. We, we, we get stuck, I think sometimes, and I hear it so much in the church. And, and I think uh, here's where I'm saying, I think that it could empower us in congregations. If we would get beyond this thing of thinking, how in the world could that ever happen? Right. How, how could we ever do that? We get stuck in this, in this mindset of, well, there's no way we could ever, ever do that. And, and, the times where I see the power of the gospel making a huge impact in in the community and in the world is where people have have started to imagine with big imaginations what could God do here, right? And again, mm-hmm. the focus isn't on us, right? Because I think that I think that's a problem. We begin to think, oh, I don't know, what's our budget? <laughs> right? What? What, what uh, you know, I'm not very good at that. You know, kind of like Moses. I, I don't speak too well. You know, I don't know what, yeah, right. I don't know what you're going to do with me down in Egypt, God. I can't talk too good. Um, and God says, what do you have in your hand? You got a staff. I think I could do some things with that. Ends up, ends up, God was right, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, he just, he brought the 10 plagues with that staff. Right. A- anyway, I'm a little, t- a little tangential there, but, but do you understand what I'm saying is I think, I think so. So again, let's take that to its, to its logical conclusion. What can you imagine God doing in your community? What can you imagine God doing in your church, in your, in your congregation, in your church community? Mm. What can you imagine God doing? And here's the thing is Paul is saying he can do more than that, more than even the most wild thing you can imagine. God is able to do more and not only more, he's able to do how much immeasurably Immeasurably more. more. Now, if that doesn't, you know, even on a hot day, if that doesn't get your blood flowing, I don't know what will, (laughs) right? Right. You may be dead if, 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 um, you know, if that doesn't get your blood boiling, right? to think about what God is able to do. And again, it's not, it's not us. Cause then look on in the very next verse. This is the thing. This is the thing. This is the capstone here. Now to him, to God, who is able, who has the ability to do immeasurably more than all that we ask or imagine 
according to his power, there's that word power like force again, according to his power that is at work within us. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about the, we're talking about the, the all powerful, you know, omnipotent is the fancy word for it. The all powerful God who created the universe, his power as at work is at work within us, plural, I think, you know, not, you know, Christ lives within me. He lives through the spirit connects us, um, according to his power, that work within us to him, be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So again, first part of this, Paul has said, here's what God has called us as his people to do. Here's how he's commissioned me. Let me give you a personal example. He, he called me and gave me this very special calling and it's happening even though I'm in prison, you know, no matter the circumstances, he is still accomplishing his purpose in me. And now he says, here's my prayer for you all. And, and not just the Ephesians. I don't think, I don't mm -hmm. even think just the churches in Asia minor. Paul's this prayer for the church. Paul's prayer for the church is that we could, first of all, we, we could, we could, you know, understand him at work within us, that we could understand the breadth of his love, uh, even, even for others, uh, especially for others, maybe, and, and that we could be open to what he can do within us, uh, that we can step aside enough to allow him to use us in order to accomplish his purposes. So that's why I get excited about this passage. And you see what I'm saying? I think if we could grasp hold of this, I think it, it could make a difference in the way that our individual congregations um, act as a part of the church today. So final thoughts on any of that, Ryan, and then I want to ask yeah, that I question mean, I, about prayer. Yeah, I think, you know, you talked to me about like how we pray today and so forth. And I think yeah. it's, you know, as you pointed out, this is like that is at work within us. And yeah. I think, again... <laughs> I, I, we've talked about this in a previous episode of feeling like sometimes it's the church yeah. or the, con the, the, the federal part of the church yeah. that we're part of that they're the ones that are going to do this, but it's, it's within us, yeah. the people, you know, as we talked about that, when we talked about right. the church, he's like, oh, I can't go to church. Well, no, we're the church and that God's working within us and it's our responsibility you know, to, yeah. you know, and I think sometimes we pray as so like God do this um, like God, is going to work outside of us, but he's saying like, I'm giving you the power to yeah. do the work, you know, to, to do this. Like it's, it is a call for all of us yeah. as the church right. to go out and do that. And to, and I think that's a great point about imagining yeah. like what could we be? You know, yeah. I think <laughs> we always hear the word imagine when it's like a capital campaign. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and I mean, but, but you know, like point, Paul's saying, right. imagine about your purpose, yes. not about the building yeah. that you're going to be in, but about your purpose. Well, think about, and I think that's a, I think yeah. that's a shift because we imagine, we want to imagine big things when it's something to make our campus or, sure. you know, something look greater, but kind of going, what I imagine what God can do through you and your community to, right. to, you know, this mystery that's revealed, that was revealed to Paul, like, we are to take Christ to everyone. Right. I think it's encouraging. And, and, uh, and so how do you see the difference between the way that Paul prays and we pray, would you say? Well, you know, I, you know, I think we often pray for about what, for me. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's, or for, you know, someone to get sick, which I think we should, you know, to sure. get better. There's, or there's we, no someone problem with that. Yeah. We very often don't like, 
you know, I think there's this real, I, with Paul's prayer is like relying on the power yes. of God, uh-huh. you know what I mean? Acknowledging the power of God and asking God to, you know, not equip us just to have a good week, right. not equip us to feel good about my life, right. but, uh, you know, it's this know the, the truth of God and and it's not even about comfort. It's about maybe moving outside your comfort right. zone to go out and to be God's people. Maybe, and I think that's yeah. that's that's where I see that is I feel like sometimes, and I'm guilty of this, I pray for my own, like, oh, I've got this difficulty. Right. And how often do I pray personally to go, God, give me the strength to be your witness let, in the world. Let me use this example. Yeah, exactly. Let me use this example. So Paul, again, think about this, is in prison. Mm-hmm. He's undergoing a hardship right now, right. and his focus is still upon the mission of God. And the first part of this chapter, his big thing is, look, it's still, you know, the, the gospel's still advancing. I may be in chains, but but the work of God is continuing, even in me. And and I think that, and, and Paul uses that same kind of idea in other places as well. Um, you know, what, me being in chains has, has actually served to, to advance the gospel, you know, uh, and, and, and so... So again, the focus is on mission, very mission oriented, very, and when I say mission here, the, the mission of God at work in his people it, with, together with all the holy ones, I think. Um, yeah, I, I, I think, I think that's, that's a, a great point. I think when you talk about the sickness, again, those are, those are great things for us to pray for, but we should pray about there's, those things. there's also a spiritual element that sometimes we're missing, I think, and, mm. and, and, you know, I'm not trying to make a, a dualism here or anything, but I, I think the, the, the spiritual warfare, if you will, or the spiritual, um, uh, adversaries that we have, like we'll pray about physical barriers or physical difficulties, but you know what about overcoming the 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 powers and the principalities and all these things you know that that God empowers us in order to do uh what God has called us to I so I, I don't know that's just just a thought on there any other final thoughts you have on this or anything no else? I, I I think it's great you know and and uh, you know I think it's so easy easy for us because I, I think a lot of people know these verses right you know what I mean especially right. these last ones who's able to do a measure more than all we can ask or imagine and it's like we almost just ask or imagine and it's boop comment next you know like we just <laughs> we move on to it but to, you know i think to right. sit down and think about right imagining you know and i think yeah. that's a you know it's not and it's not imagining for our glory right it's imagining exactly. for Christ's glory exactly you know? but to spend that time like what is it and what would it look like for the entire congregation not to imagine, not just your pastor, right. not just your, right. you know, your preaching guy or your exactly. student guy or whoever, but mm-hmm. like for the whole congregation to imagine, what does it look like? And I think that's yeah. when you see communities change, yes. it's when the community imagines what it could look like, I, I, not just one guy that's, or female that, yeah. or woman that's driving. I think that's uh, right. And, and it's, it's uh, you know, you think you think about some of the fantastic stuff we've seen, you know, you, you and I both have had uh, known people who've been involved in incredible works, you know, that they've done just, we're like, wow, that just blows me away what they were able to do. And it's people who have these, these ability to think beyond just the, the abstract, you know, the, not just to see the the four walls and and here's, you know, this is the barriers to us, but, you know, we're kind of boxed in, but to be able to say, what, what could we do beyond that? How could we imagine going beyond even, even, what seems to be, you know, uh, you know, again, we, we rely so much on ourselves, not on God, even, even when we're thinking about the, the negative parts of what, what's going on in the world today, 
I, I think sometimes we get stuck in this rut thinking, well, things are just going to always be this way. They're, they're just going to get worse and worse until the end, you know, and, um, you know, to, to, to remember the promises that God has made to his church and, and to remember the, the power that he has given his, you know, he, that he has shared of his to us as the church. Um, so anyway, that's, yeah, I, I think, you know, I make videos for businesses, right? you know, and it's like, you make these videos that are about the vision of a business, right. you know, they show it to their employees and it's like, it's this hype thing. It's a like, rah -rah, what, yeah. yeah. What could we do? What could we do? And, you know, and I, and, you know, in, in a business, it's what can we do? Right. You know, I mean, it's like for, for us, like, what could this business right. be? But kind of going, you know, Paul is saying, like, what could God's kingdom exactly. be? And you're not, you don't have to do it by yourself. Right. Like, God is, the spirit is going to be in you and Christ is going to be in you, empowering you to do this, you know, and I think that's an important thing for us to think about as a church is, you know, helping, even if you're not the, 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 the main preaching person, or you're in a leadership position, but like, can you imagine, and can you share yeah. that with other, you know what I mean? Like, cause I think that's, we can all feed off of that to kind yeah. of go, what does, what does this look like? And I think once a congregation can all capture that yes. vision, a vision, I think that's when you can see incredible things. Ima happen. Yeah. Imagine, <laughs> I can imagine. I'm not trying to be woo-hoo, woo-woo, <laughs> as you say here. You're trying I'm to be rah-rah, just... not woo-woo. Oh, rah-rah, not woo-hoo. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. All right. You anyway, see why I'm excited well, about this passage. I hope hope yeah, that shared I, enough of my excitement that you can kind of see why why I think it's important. Yeah, so. I, you know, I talked a lot here at the end. Yeah, know, that's great. So, awesome. So. <laughs> yeah, anyway, well, Brian, <laughs> we'll be back soon. We'll be going on to four. four. You know, we've hit the yeah. we've hit the pinnacle, right? Mm -hmm. The pinnacle. Well, of I mean, it's, it's still not bad stuff, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it is, was it a, is that was a trap. It is the word of God, you know, inspired yes, by the Holy it, Spirit. So yeah, indeed. We may, All right. we may well, learn a thing or two. So we'll see. We may indeed. All right, Brian. Thanks so much. <laughs> All right, bye. See you. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro. Next week, Brian and I are moving ahead in Ephesians four as we look at Paul's instructions for the church. We hope you will join us for that. Thanks again for joining us at the table. We will be back Tuesday.